Hey everybody, this is a special episode of All Out War. This week we are rebroadcasting a Bible study that we did on our YouTube channel. It was a live YouTube Bible study that we did on Thursday the 16th. Uh, if you don't follow us on YouTube, yes, we are on YouTube as well as all these other podcasting platforms. So I would suggest you get over there, like and sub subscribe and follow us there if you want. But uh, we had a good response to that, and I figured a lot of you don't know about our YouTube, so I would post that same Bible study here for your enjoyment as well. It's based out of Isaiah chapter 8, and uh, we will talk and go through some of the craziness that we're experiencing, the hysteria of the coronavirus, and uh, maybe what the Bible has to say about it, in particular what Isaiah chapter 8 has to say about it. So, uh, we'll be back next week with our regular uh, podcast with Rosie and a Did You Know and all that good stuff. So until then, sit back, grab a coffee, and enjoy. You're listening to the All Out War Podcast. So Rosie's not here with us, and I am uh, going to do a Bible study. It's something I thought about since we're doing this quarantine thing. Uh, anybody who listens to us on our regular podcast, you know that um, we don't really do anything live stream. We haven't done anything live stream before, and uh, so this is something new for us. Rosie, because we're in quarantine, he's at his place. He, will, he was thinking about calling in if he could, but I don't think he was going to be able to do that. And so it's just me. It's just me tonight. And we're going to try this uh, thing. And if it works out, maybe it's something we'll do, you know, more regularly, like every other week or something like that. Or who knows, maybe uh, maybe once a week. It just depends on if it catches air. And, uh, and if I see questions or if I see something going on uh, in the chat, I will um, I can answer questions or we can work that, use that however we want to do that. Uh Okay. All right. If you got a Bible, open it up to Isaiah chapter 8. Isaiah chapter 8. We're going to be looking at Isaiah chapter 8 in our Bible study. And I'm going to give you guys some backup on what's going on with Isaiah. It's a large book of, of the Old Testament of the major prophets. And it consists of, I've got my iPad over here, so if you see me looking over here, I'm looking at my notes. It consists of 66 books total, the book of Isaiah. The uh, You could break the entire book up into four sections or four uh, parts. And the first part is going to be chapters 1 through 5, where the Lord just establishes Isaiah in his ministry, where he be, he calls him out, and he kind of sets the backdrop up for us of who's the king and what's happening in the nation of Israel in that time frame, who are some of the key players, things like that. And then when you get into part two, it's chapters 6 through 37, and that has a focus on the different kings that are mentioned that I just talked about, the surrounding nations, those that are the enemies, those that are the kings of both Judah and Israel, because we have a divided kingdom of Israel at this point. And then in chat part three, you have chapters 38 through servant. And then lastly, part four is chapters 56 through 66 to round up the book. It focuses on God and the conqueror, the conqueror being Jesus. So we have 
the book broken up into four parts, and we're going to be in chapter eight. So when you go through, I just want to break down the first couple of chapters of the book, chapters one through five, as I said, Isaiah takes up his prophetic ministry both to Judah and Israel and to their enemies surrounding. He will speak to them as well when you get uh, later on into chapters nine and ten. He actually speaks to the king of Assyria. Uh, and then when you get into chapter 6, it's Isaiah's personal experience of salvation. It's pretty incredible how he is cleansed and he's called and the Lord sets him up uh, into his ministry. And it's really what I would say is Isaiah's salvation experience. And then when you get into chapters uh, 7 through 9, which we're going to be in chapter 8 tonight, it's God is turning his focus on the nation of Israel, in particular on Judah, okay? And uh, and then when you get into chapters 10 and 11, it's towards Israel. And then when you get into chapter 12, it's an epilogue of, of these prophetic utterances that he's speaking about, which is going to be judgment, which is going to be um, all of those things. And so uh, you have you have these... Uh, I just got a phone call. Sorry about that. That was weird. Um, you have all of these things happening and in, uh, in the first 12 chapters. So in chapter 8, I'm just going to read uh, a first couple of verses. It says, the coming Assyrian invasion in chapter 8 of Isaiah chapter, uh, verse 1, it says, Then the Lord said to me, Make a large signboard and clearly write this name on it, Mayor Shalal has Baz. I asked Uriah the priest and Zechariah son of, of Jeberechiah, both known as honest men, to witness my doing this. Then I slept with my wife, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. And the Lord said to call him Mahar Shalahal Hash Baz. For before this child is old enough to say Papa or Mama, the king of Assyria will carry away both the abundance of Damascus and the riches of Samaria. So let me just stop there for just a second. Uh, basically, what you're seeing happen there is. Uh, it's those first four verses are going to be over nine months and apart from the beginning to the end there, because obviously he's going to lay with his wife and she's going to become pregnant and give birth to a boy, a son. And it says that the Lord told Isaiah to make a large signboard and write his name on it, write this name on it. And so he wrote that name on it. It was the name of his son. And, and that was a message that he was going to be sending uh, in particular, he was sending to uh, through the message. It, it means swift to plunder and quick to carry away. That's what his his name is. It, the meaning of that name that he tells his that he calls his son. He writes it on a board, and it's as if this is prophetic, even in this the way that it is, the way that it plays out. You have a sign that's being given, and then a son that is born, and he names him. What's on the sign? It's almost as, as if he's saying, "Look, pay attention to me. I'm trying to get your attention, Judah." And uh, and then this is what he says to them. He says, "Before your child, my child will even be able to say, Mama or Papa.' The king of Assyria is going to come in, and he's going to both carry away the 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 abundance of Damascus and the riches of Samaria. Those are two territories within." that region of Judah. And so then it says, the Lord spoke to me again and he said, my care for the people of Judah is like the gently flowing waters of Shiloh, but they have rejected it. They are rejoicing over what will happen to King Rezin and King Pekah. 
Therefore, the Lord will overwhelm them with a mighty flood with the, from the Euphrates River. The king of Syria and all of his glory, will, this flood will overflow all of its channels and sweep into Judah until it's chin deep. It will spread its wings, submerging you from one from from submerging your land from one end to the other, O Emmanuel. And then it goes into a a psalm that he says. He says, Huddle together, you nations, and be terrified. Listen, all you distant lands, prepare for battle, but you will be crushed. Yes, prepare for battle, but you will be crushed. Call your councils of war, but they will be worthless. Develop your strategies, but they will not succeed, for God is with us. And then he says, verse 11, and this is where I want to focus a little bit on tonight. It says, the Lord has given me a strong warning not to think like everyone else. He said, do not call everything a conspiracy like they do, and do not live in dread of what frightens them. Make the Lord of heaven's armies holy in your life. He is the one you should fear. He is the one you should make, who should make you tremble. He will keep you safe. But to Israel and Judah, he will be a stone that makes people stumble, a rock that makes them fall. And for all the people of Jerusalem, he will be a trap and a snare. Many will stumble and fall, never to rise again, they will be snared and they will be captured. And then in verse 16, he goes on to say, Preserve the teaching of God and trust his instructions to those who follow me. I will wait for the Lord who has turned away from the descendants of Jacob. I will put my hope in him. And it says, I and the children of the Lord has given, he has given me to serve as signs and warnings of, to Israel from the Lord of heaven's armies who dwell in his temple in Mount Zion. Someone may say to you, let's ask the mediums or those who consult the spirits of the dead with their whisperings and mutterings. They will tell us what to do. But shouldn't the people ask God for guidance? Should the living seek the guidance from the dead? Okay, I'm going to just pause there for a minute. So the scene is this, is that the nation of Israel is in great turmoil. There's already been civil war. So Israel and Judah, you have Israel to the north and Judah to the south, and uh, you have 10 kingdoms in with Israel, and you have two kingdoms with Judah, or tribes with Judah. And so you have this civil war that's happening. They don't like each other. There's a lot going on. And what is happening is within this turmoil of the nation, there's utter resistance to God and rebellion to his ways. And so God's going to bring judgment on Judah and Israel. And he's going to use the neighboring nations that are around them. In particular, in this case, he's talking about the Assyrian army to bring in a flood of them. And it says that he says that it will be overflow their channels and it will sweep into Judah until it is chin deep. That's what he says in verse eight. It'll be chin deep. In other words, it won't quite take them out, but it's going to be very, very severe. In other words, they won't drown. They won't be taken by the enemy, but it's going to be pretty severe. And so what, he's, what you can imagine is that the nations at this time are in turmoil. They're wondering what's going to happen. They're looking to, looking to their leadership, their kings, their government to protect them. And Isaiah is here screaming to them, pronouncing to them that this is going to be a judgment for them. And so I'm trying to kind of set the scene for us as you uh, read through this, and you can see that it's not a very great situation that they find themselves in. And check this out. 
this is the part that got my attention is in verse 12. The Lord has, in verse 11 and 12, it says, the Lord has given me a strong warning not to think like everyone else. He said, don't call everything a conspiracy like they do and don't live in the dread of what frightens them. Make the Lord of heaven's armies holy in your life. He is the one you should fear. He is the one who should make you tremble. He will keep you safe. So there's this utterance from Isaiah, and he's saying, look, I want to warn you not to think like everyone else thinks. And this is important. And this is what what really made me think. You know, as we do our podcast, the All Out War podcast, um, over the past you know, year and a half or so, we have um, some of our audience, a large part of our audience is conspiracy minded. And, you know, I love digging into a good conspiracy. I love talking about things that are a little bit mysterious, hard to explain. I love exploring possible answers to different things. I love Genesis 6, the Nephilim. I love uh, studying through um, different parts and supporting books in the Bible like Enoch and um, just looking at these things. Um, I enjoy that. It's something that I like to do in my pastime. But one thing that I've noticed in particular in the last few um, weeks that we've been dealing with this coronavirus is that the conspiracy and the truthers and the watchers, the watchmen, if you will, that segment of YouTube, which All Out War kind of sits in somewhere in there. I don't know where particular you would label us, but a lot of these people, in, in particular also the Q the QAnon um, people, there's all these crazy, it's literally hyped up conspiracy. And it's to the point of where people that for years have been talking about all of these things, for instance, they would say, no, coronavirus is, it's 5G. And then other, you know, Q people are saying, no, no, it's the deep state removal and the pedophile arrests and, and they're taking them down and it's going to be a reset of everything that we know. And, and then you have other conspiracies like oh no this is going to be the mark of the beast this is what it's going to lead to is we're going to we're going to be forced to have the mark of the beast and then you have the anti-vaxxers who are saying oh no this is going to be forcing us to have a vaccine which is going to have a digital chip and then you have other people saying oh no it's the it's the globalists this is their thing they're going to they're going to reduce the population of the earth and and on and on and on and literally they're salivating at the mouth because this is things that they've been talking about and looking at and researching for years. And they think that this coronavirus is going to be the catalyst for all of those things. <laughs> and when I read this in Isaiah, it just stopped me in my tracks because if you're like me, you get on YouTube, you start reading these things, it gets in your head. You start thinking about all these crazy things. What if it is 5G? What if they're putting 5G in my kids' schools? And what if that's going to cause my my kids who have already respiratory issues? Are they going to Are they going to die? Are they going to you know? Am I going to get like microwave my lungs? Like what's going to happen? And am I going to be forced to take the mark of the beast? And what will I do? Will I do that? Will Will I you know provide for my family? Is this going to ruin the currency? So now I have to work in this beast system and to pay, be able to eat and, and to provide for my family and protect them and take care of them. And you start to get like just overwhelmed. And that's at least I did. And I just want to say that when I read this, Isaiah chapter 8, verse 
11 and 12, it says, the Lord has given me a strong warning not to think like everyone else does. He said, don't call everything a conspiracy like they do and don't live in dread of what frightens them. And that really stopped me in my tracks. And I realized, oh man, that is what I needed to hear, Lord. That is what I needed to understand. And ultimately, the one thing that I'm not hearing people talk about which really dawned on me as I was reading through chapter 8 of Isaiah, which is really a pronouncement of judgment against God's people because of their rebellion to his ways and his word, is what if that's happening to America? What if the economic breakdown, the, the pandemic that's happening, what if all of those things are part of God's judgment trying to bring God's people back to a base place where they just trust him and him alone and live for him boldly and humbly and, and in a holy manner. What if that's what God's been trying to do and that's the purpose of what's happening? What if the church has been so in love with its buildings and with its things and with its size and its people and all of the the power that it has in its, you know, church world against other churches, what if God was so despised by all of that that he decided to make everybody stay home and say, no, I'm not going to let you go to church now. You're going to have to have communities with your family, and I'm going to force you to begin to dig into God's word and, and lean into other people, not just some man on a pulpit, behind a pulpit on a stage or some paid people that work amongst you. What if God is resetting some things, and what if this is more of a judgment situation more than a conspiracy exposing the globalists? Yeah, I would love it to expose the globalists. I would love it. I would love it if they would break down and arrest all of the pedophiles. They deserve it. I would love it if the... Fed would be and the IRS would be destroyed and a new gold standard currency would be set up and all of these things. I would love for those things to happen. The thing is, is I'm not so sure that that is what's happening. And so Isaiah tells them that they, first of all, they need to not think like everyone else in verses 11 and 12 and not call a conspiracy what everybody's calling a conspiracy. And then secondly, he says they need to make the Lord's, the Lord of the heavens armies holy in your life, and he is the one that they should fear. So it's really a taking down of the word of man, the chatter of man, and lifting up the word of God and the person of God, who we know is to be Jesus Christ, who sits on his throne in heaven and rules everything. Now he moves on a little bit further on because in verse 16 he says, preserve the teaching of God, and trust his instructions to those who follow me. So now he's beginning to lay out for them a pattern so that they can make it through this judgment that's about to happen, this Assyrian army that's going to come upon them, and it's going to nearly kill them. It's going to bring the floodwaters up to their chin, and uh, what's going to happen is it won't annihilate them, but it'll be very, very close. And he says, here's a way for you to avoid it. He says, preserve the teachings of God and trust his instructions to those who follow me. I will wait for the Lord who has turned away from the descendants of Jacob, and I will put my hope in him. That's what verse 17 says. And then verse 18, he says, I and the children of the Lord has given me serve as signs and warnings to Israel from the Lord of heaven's armies who dwell in his temple in Mount Zion. 
And then he goes on to say, some of you may say, let's ask mediums or those who consult the spirits of the dead with their whisperings and mutterings. They will tell us what to do. And then he goes, but shouldn't the people of God ask God for guidance? Should the living seek guidance from the dead? And then he goes on to say in verse 20, look to God's instructions and teachings. People who contradict his word are completely in the dark. They will go from one place to another, weary and hungry, all because they are hungry. They will rage and curse their king and their God, and they will look up to heaven and down to earth. But wherever they look, there will be trouble, and they will, there will be anguish and dark despair. They will be thrown out into the darkness. What's amazing is that he says, first, I want you to look to God's word. He says, look to God's word. He says, this is what we should do. Don't, first of all, don't listen to the chatter of the world. Verse 11, don't, don't think the way everyone else does. Don't believe the conspiracies that everything else like they say it is. Secondly, you need to focus on fearing the Lord. So you make the Lord first in your heart and your life. Fear the Lord and make the heavens armies the holy in your life and you fear them. And then he says to preserve God's teachings and entrust them in your heart and wait for the Lord. Put your hope in the Lord. And then thirdly, he goes on to say that he says, look in verse 20, look to God's instructions and teachings. And so he's laying out a pattern for them. First, put God first back in your life. And when you begin to do these things, what's going to happen is all of this anxiousness, this concern, what's going to happen? You know, I mean, if you're like me, I have children, a wife, I have a mortgage, I have car payments, I have... I am well into uh, needing to work, you know, myself. And here's what happens. You begin to let those things consume you. And then you begin to look for answers. And the way that you're looking for answers is not the way the world is. They're not going to give you the answers that are right anyways. And so you look at this and it says that they start to speak a certain way. They think a certain way. They act a certain way. And God's calling his people to do it differently. That's all he's doing. And so he's saying, you know, let's set, let's not, not think like them, not listen to what they're, what they're listening to, the voices they're listening to. Don't parrot them any longer. He says, put the Lord first in your life, make him holy, and then preserve his teachings in your life. And then he says, lastly, he says, look to God's instructions and teachings. And, and he says, he gives the contrast. Those that don't, they're going to be in darkness. And so I felt like this was appropriate for us in what, many of us are facing right now. I mean, let's be honest. A lot of us are cut off from our church families and our church world and our church life because we can't even leave to gather more than 10 people. I mean, this podcast that we did with uh, last weekend when our latest podcast, uh, Rosie was at his house. He lives about 15 miles, maybe 20 miles away from me. I was here in the studio and our guest was in North Carolina, I, I think where he lives. And so we had we were spread out, and this is kind of what's becoming the new normal. Uh, churches have moved almost exclusively online. Those that weren't prepared for that are being left behind in a lot of ways, and so they're trying to get creative. They're trying to figure out how are they going to take care of their their church family, and so many people right now are feeling disconnected. And what God's doing is He's recalibrating His people, His church, His bride his body 
to be prepared for the next thing to come. And I would say that let's really take honest and evaluation of what possibly could be happening, which I'm not hearing too much of, which is that this is actually possibly a judgment from God where he's bringing forth some kind of judgment to the United States for, who knows, abortion, the the proliferation of wealth with greed and no generosity, all of these things. I mean, you could point to a million different things, consumeristic church, and so we know that judgment begins with the house of the Lord. And so I would encourage all of us who are hearing this, that you would evaluate where you are with him. Is he first in your life? Is he priority? Is his word preeminent for you to guide your life by, to trust in, to seek for guidance? And are you listening to the chatter of this world, which would, as it says there, I, I love the line there in verse 19. It says, some of you may say, let's go ask mediums and consult the spirits of the dead. And it's just like people get spiritual when things happen. The problem is, is they don't always go to the right direction. And so you have a great opportunity knowing the one true living God to point people to Jesus, to trust in him, to call on him to surrender their life to him for lordship and for salvation, and then become a part of God's kingdom and his family. And that's basically what God wants to do anyways. He wants to expand the kingdom and the family. The mission of God is to first go out and preach the gospel to all creation. That's the great commission that Jesus left as an ordinance for the church to always be about. Our mission is always to be about expanding the kingdom of God and, and leading people into the kingdom of God. So uh, this chapter eight is incredible. And what I love is that chapter nine, he gets, it's almost like he pinpoints down. And so I'm just going to touch on this for a minute and then I'll end up, I'll end our, our little Bible study. But I love this because he says in chapter nine, he picks up on this theme of darkness because at the end of chapter eight, Isaiah is giving this, this contrast. He says, those people who seek mediums, those people, they live in darkness. Those that reject God's word, they live in darkness and they just, they wander in despair and darkness. And then he says, they'll actually be thrown out into the darkness. That's the word he uses, the last word he uses in chapter eight. And the, then he says at the beginning of chapter nine, he says, nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. So he throws a nugget down for those that hear this prophecy, that even though it looks terrible, it seems like the world is crashing in on us, we're going to drown in darkness and be forgotten, God says it won't last forever. I've got something better for you. He says the land of Zebulon and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when the Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with his glory. And it says the people will walk in darkness, will see a great light. Those who live in the land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, like the warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burdens from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod, just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms of the blood stained by war will all be burned. They will be fuel for the fire. And this is the promise. It says, for a child is born to us, a son 
is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end and he will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. Or as some of your Bibles say, the zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. And I love it because he's giving us Jesus. A child is born. A son is given. He was the child of God. He came, he came to Mary as a child, but he was a son given on the cross. The son of God was given to us. He came in and all of the governments will rest on his shoulders. All authority under heaven and earth have been given to him. He rules and he reigns today. And so I want to close with this. As much as the world seems upside down right now and the future is uncertain, we must not forget that God's unseen hand is always upon humanity and it is over all of the affairs of this earth that nothing can happen outside of his will, his ways, or without his knowing. The things we're facing today, obviously God's hands, they have passed through his hands, and they are act, he's active in this. He's not standing back far away, wondering what's going to happen, wondering what we're going to do, wondering if the globalists are going to win, or 5G is going to kill us all. He knows exactly what's happening. He's actually very far ahead of everyone. <laughs> he knows everything and he gets the victory. He wins in the end. And this is why it's good for us to trust in him in these times and not some crazy conspiracy theory, something that's unproven, the chatter of the world, the fear and the anxiousness that it comes with all of that. We turn back to the Lord. We trust in him. We seek his word. We trust in him. And when we do that, he imparts to us his Holy Spirit in a way that brings peace and confidence because we know that our future is, is assured in him. We have nothing to fear. This world will have troubles, but take heart for he has overcome the world. So I just want to pray for us as we close out. And uh, I'll stay on for a couple minutes. If anybody wants to use the chat, please ask questions. I'd love to interact a little bit with you the three or four of us that are on this. Let me pray. God, thanks for allowing us to have this time together in the Bible study. It's been cool. I love the book of Isaiah. And Lord, I thank you for showing me these verses in chapter eight. They are so appropriate for what we're dealing with today. And I thank you, God, that we can look to your word, trust in you. And for anyone that's hearing the, my voice or watching this, I just pray that they would surrender to you, ask to have their sins forgiven, and, in, and trust in you, Jesus Christ, the risen King, for salvation for all of eternity, and that they would trust in you to lead their life. I pray that you would impart your Holy Spirit to your church, to anyone who trusts in you, that you would fill them, you'd make them new, and then you would use them for your purposes. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right, guys. So maybe next week we'll continue in this theme or we'll continue in the book of Isaiah. I'm not sure. Maybe we'll wait a week or so. But uh, let me know if you guys want to uh, keep doing these things. Reach out to me. Use YouTube messages or uh, comments. Or you can reach us at All Out War on Instagram, Twitter. It's AOWcast at, on Twitter. 
And uh, if you haven't already, we would like for you to subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is just a it's just a live feed of our of our podcast. It's not a live feed, it's a broadcast of our podcast, and we just load it up to, to YouTube as well. And uh, like and subscribe and share if you do, if you like us. We just appreciate it. Love you guys, and uh, I will talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to the All Out War podcast today. We hope you enjoyed the episode, and we'll catch you next time.